Welcome back to the Frank Take, everybody. Friday morning, and it is a good time to have a show on a Friday morning post-draft. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, you know, a lot went down last night. This was a pretty good draft. I think the first two picks were pretty set in stone. And other than that, there was a lot of surprises and a lot of things that um, happened that people didn't really expect. Uh, so we're just going to get right into that. Um First, first pick in the draft, obviously, is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They go for Trevor Lawrence, generational talent, number one. Everybody knew that was going to happen. Um, interesting stat for that I saw come up last night. Trevor Lawrence was the number one prospect coming out of high school, maintained that into the NFL draft, and was drafted number one. The only other quarterbacks to do that have been Peyton Manning, John Elway, Troy Aikman, and Andrew Luck. And I thought that was really interesting um, because it just, it takes a certain level of greatness to maintain that through high school, through college and into the NFL. And I think Trevor Lawrence has that. I think he's going to have a really promising future in Jacksonville. Uh, That being said, it was no surprise there. Wilson also goes number two to the Jets. I've expressed my disagreement on that one, uh, but that was also expected. It wasn't really a surprise. The Jets fell in love with that arm talent, the athleticism, Um, You know, I can see what they like in Zach Wilson. I think he could be a good fit there. Um, But what I'm really intrigued with is is the way that these teams have uh, stretched themselves to make these quarterbacks comfortable year one. The days where you where you kind of sit NFL quarterbacks and let them rest and, you know, um, let them learn the offense for a year. Those days are kind of over when you draft a guy number one or number two. A, he's expected to start right away and he's got it. He's got to start hot. These teams know that it's a short leash for them. And then B, he's supposed to bring your franchise to a Super Bowl. And so these teams are going to make these quarterbacks as comfortable as possible. The Jags have done that. I think a couple of things that they did that were uh, really telling of of trying to get Lawrence comfortable right away is they installed the playbook pre-draft. He knew, you know, he, he pretty much knew he was going to get picked by this team. He's had talks with uh, Urban Meyer and the rest of that coaching staff. They've they've brought him through the playbook. He's already on his way to learning. He's heading to Jacksonville today, getting everything prepped. Um, you know, and then they they pick up secondary help in free agency. They get some receiver help in free agency. They've slowly been adding pieces to make this guy comfortable. Then what what more of a comfort move than to add his former teammate, Travis Etienne? They pick him up at 25. I know that pick was controversial for some people, and I can see that, especially because um, the Jags already have Cam Robinson, who was a breakout player last year. You know, you'd think that they feel like they'd be set at running back, but I guess not. They bring in Lawrence's former teammate. I think that's a really cool dynamic. Um, and, you know, I mean, I get the pick when you have – when you have a team that went one in 15 last year, you've got holes everywhere to fill. I mean, any player you draft, um, if he's a playmaker, he's going to help you out. And so, you know, why not go best player available? And I think that's what they did. Uh, ETN's exciting. He's the all time leading rusher in ACC history. He's got a very similar skill set to Alvin Kamara. I think he could develop into a guy that's kind of like that. Um, and you know, so, so that could have been it too. Maybe Cam Robinson and ETN have different skill sets and the Jaguars feel like they can use both of these guys to thrive. Um, but yeah, once again, it's all about getting Lawrence comfortable and, you know, even yesterday, an interesting thing, the Jaguars actually brought in Tim Tebow for a workout at tight end. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to be a playmaker or anything that he's going to be anything special at tight end. He's been out of the league for a while, but he is a locker room 
uh, presence. He knows Urban Meyer. He's comfortable with him. I think Tebow's leadership, you know, no matter where he's at, he's going to be a leader. Him and Lawrence, very similar uh, ideals. They're very similar in uh, the way that they view life. Uh, it's a Christ first mentality. And so that could be a great dynamic. Um, and I think the Jags would be smart to add Tebow, even if it's just as a special teamer. I mean, his locker room presence is um, something that you need when a young team's developing. So, you know, the Jags are going to mold this whole franchise for Trevor Lawrence. It's all about Trevor Lawrence. And uh, the first step was taking him last night. Second step, you know, they go and get his his buddy from Clemson. And, um, you know, I don't think it's a bad pick at all. And then if we look at the Jets at number two, um, I think they they're making this thing for Zach Wilson as well. Obviously they trade Sam Darnold out of there. He's no longer a threat. Uh, they picked up a tackle last year. They trade up in the draft with the Vikings and they go get uh, the USC guard. I mean, there's uh, moves that they're making there as well. They got Corey Davis in the off season uh, at receiver. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them go with Elijah Moore or somebody like that in the second round, continue to add to that offense. Um, you know, rookies, like I said, they don't wait when you're drafted this high, the organization is going to make this thing for you. Um, and so now it's up to, to these guys to go in there and, and make it happen. So that was picks one and two, both those teams had extra first round picks and they both used it to build up the offensive arsenal. If we move down to San Fran at number three, Trey Lance to the 49ers, um, you know, it would have been a complete shock to me if there hadn't been reports coming out that the Niners weren't looking at Justin Fields. Uh, but but San Francisco has been so good on their picks. They've just they've picked the right guys, especially on the defensive line. They've had a lot of first round picks. They got Brandon Ayuk last year. They were patient with that. Javon Kinlaw, like they've made very good moves in the first round. Um, and so for them to go f- for Trey Lance is pretty interesting to me. Um, you know, he, he's a young guy. He, he's not as experienced. He's not a great passer. He played in a much smaller conference. It's not like he was playing at Ohio state with all those big 10 schools like Justin Fields. And, you know, I think it's going to be more of a shock for him to enter the NFL. These guys are faster. They're bigger than what he's played against. They're more athletic. Um, and you know, what, what does Trey Lance have that Justin Fields doesn't, I'm really trying to wrap my mind around that because there seemed to be like this consensus that, that teams were just going to pass on Justin Fields. And I, I didn't really understand that. And I still don't. Um, I think the bears probably won this first round with that trade up to get their guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, Trey Lance, he's from North Dakota state, the other North Dakota state guy that was drafted high was Carson Wentz. You know, he wasn't some crazy hit in the league. Uh, he has a lot of decision-making issues and tries to make too many plays. And you can make an argument. I think that some of that stems from the fact that when you're playing at a small school, you can extend those plays and uh, kind of just do whatever you want because you're the most athletic on the field. You're the best player on that field. It's not going to be like that in the pros. Um, we'll see if Lance can, uh, can adjust to that, but that was a big surprise for me. Um, Atlanta at number four, getting Kyle Pitts. We can pretty much brush over that one. Uh, if they weren't going to trade back, they were going to take Kyle Pitts. We know that they put their trust in Matt Ryan for this foreseeable future. Then we go to number five. That was another interesting pick. So Cincinnati, uh, they go out and they give Joe Burrow, his old LSU pal. And, uh, this, this is another pick I disagree with. I think the Bengals offensive line is still really bad. 
and to pass up on a generational talent at tackle. Uh, I mean, that's like a quarterback. That's the closest thing to a quarterback. It's a cornerstone position. It's absolutely essential. These guys can be around with you for eight to 10 years if they're, if they're really good. And I think they passed up on an all pro. It's true that they may have gotten an all pro at wide receiver. Jamar chase might develop into that. Um, but it just didn't seem like the most pressing need. I think that this organization gave a lot of stake in what Joe Burrow had to say about it. I think he really wanted uh, Jamar Chase, and why shouldn't he? You know, it's a it's a shiny new receiver, big, fast guy. It feels like it has more of a direct impact on you, you know. And, you know, he has a personal connection with his guy. He knows him. Uh, this is a guy that he threw – 20 touchdowns to in 2019 during that championship season. Jamar Chase had 84 catches, 1780. I mean, he was almost a 2000 yard receiver in a 15 game college season. That's unbelievable. And, you know, we know they connect really well. I think Cincinnati, you know, pretty much gave into what Joe Burrow wanted there. That's my prediction on, on what went on in the organization. So Cincinnati gets Jamar Chase at number five. Dolphins went with Jalen Waddle. Uh, this was another comfort move, uh, another teammate pairing up with each other. We had a lot of that in this draft, by the way. I don't know how often that happens, but there was a lot of that in this draft where like these organizations were drafting college players that their quarterbacks had already played with, uh, which I think is interesting. Um, but I just noticed that a lot. The Dolphins went with Jalen Waddle, and that was a guy that uh, Tua connected with really well at Alabama. And, you know, again, they, they, they could have gone offensive line here, but you're trying to fix Tua, right? I mean, this guy, he sucked last year, and you can't have that with your franchise guy. They're trying to get him comfortable. They went out and got Will Fuller this offseason. Uh, now they go and get Jalen Waddle. They've got playmakers in there. And comfort is key. You know, that's that's the theme of this draft. You get your quarterbacks comfortable. You get them the guys that they want. You get them weapons and you give them the best chance to succeed. You don't want to leave it up to chance, right? You don't want to have any, any reason that they shouldn't succeed in there because you, like your job as an organization is to prepare that quarterback, give him everything he needs. And if he fails, it's on him. You can move on. You know, you've done your job. Um, that's what they did with Jalen Waddell. He's a playmaker. Um, again, I, I probably would have gone offensive line. I don't think that wide receiver is their most pressing need, uh, but it was just that type of draft. It was playmaker, playmaker, playmaker. And that left the Lions to get a steal at number seven, uh, Penny Sewell. And if that's your tackle for the next 10 to 12 years in Detroit, that is huge. They haven't had a guy like that in a while, and that adds a piece of their offensive line. They've already got Taylor Decker up there. He's really good. And then to have a potentially generational talent at this pick, it's a huge building block for Detroit, you know? And I wonder if they did consider fields at this pick, um, you know, but I, I think it's smart. They can probably wait on a quarterback because the lines are going to be bad for a while. They don't have receivers. They don't, they don't really have anything. Um, and I think they're not, they're not focused on winning right now. So I think they feel like they can probably wait it out for another quarterback that they like better. I think it was a great pick. So that was number seven. And then here's where it started to get interesting at number eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. That was a big run in this draft. That was, that was kind of the focus in this draft because basically it starts off with Carolina making a surprise move. They go for JC Horn at number eight, which was kind of a big surprise. Um, 
I feel like a lot of people had Patrick Sertain going first. And if Horn was to go first, he was going to be in that number 10 spot, um, number 11 spot, somewhere in there. He goes three picks higher, which means that Denver then decides to make a run at a cornerback, which I thought was really interesting. They go and they draft Patrick Sertain. Even though they've already got Kyle Fuller out there, uh, they've got Justin Simmons in the back end. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think that that was their top need, but I guess it just adds to that defense. It adds to that secondary Denver, you know, had their Super Bowl built on the no fly zone. Maybe they're trying to go for something like that. Um, but I just, you know, when you're, when, if you're Denver and you're staring at Justin Fields, this guy who lost two games in his college career, never lost a big 10 game. I mean, he, he had so many stats to show for it. He's good in every way. Yeah. You got your defense figured out, but now you look at your quarterback room and it consists of drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. So, you know, unless, unless they're going to go make a push for Aaron Rodgers, you know, like you got to get a quarterback. I mean, John Elway is supposed to be the quarterback guy. And I mean, you look back at his resume and it's pretty awful. He's got Tim Tebow, you know, Trevor Simeon for a while after Peyton Manning. Um, they have Brock Osweiler in there for a little while. Now they go get Drew Locke. I mean, it's just been a Ferris wheel of mostly bad quarterbacks. And um, that's been Denver's downfall. They've done a pretty good job of roster building other than that. I just don't think they make the right moves. I think they overthought this one. Um, and as a Cowboy fan, that was a real bummer to see J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain get swiped right before us, two guys that are going to be pretty special in the league, I think. Um, so that basically left Dallas at number 10 with their with their with two of their top needs and two of their top guys off their big board already gone. So I love what they did here. Jerry doesn't sweat it. He doesn't force it. Uh, he gets a great deal. He picks up an extra third, which means that Dallas now has three third round picks and he goes back to number 12 trade with Philly. Philly goes up to 10. So you go back two spots and you basically know that neither of these teams are going to pick the guy that you want next. I think they knew they wanted Micah Parsons and not Rayshon Slater. Cause I think there was a chance that the giants do draft Rayshon Slater, but um, they go back two spots. <clears throat> they get that extra third round pick and I think this is a great move because uh, a third in of itself is not always valuable. Um, you know, three third round picks, you're hoping, you know, get as many picks. Maybe you can land a guy in the third round. It's happened before. Um, but I think this opens up options for them. Honestly, uh, you, you get the chance to uh, package this third with something else and you can move up into the second round or, you know, you can you can move and make yourself have two second round picks. There's a lot that you can do with this. And to get Micah Parsons at number 12 is not bad at all. This is the number one to number three on most big boards in the defensive uh, category. He was a top three defensive player. He's full of speed. He's, he's powerful. He's explosive. Uh, and I, I think he could be an instant playmaker. The one interesting thing about this, I was kind of thinking about this as I, as I watched Dallas pick, I don't know what this means exactly for, our linebacking core that already consists of Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith. Uh, we, we're going to move Keanu Neal most likely to some type of linebacker hybrid position. So you've got guys that are pretty fast and you know have been pretty solid. Obviously, Smith has had his moments and Leighton Vander Esch has had all the injuries. So you know it's not like they're locks at those positions, but 
I think honestly, this could mean the end of, of, uh, Leighton Van Der Esch in Dallas. If, if he has more injuries this year, you know, that could be it. Micah Parsons and Jalen Smith is not a bad linebacking core at all. They both have a similar style. They're both really fast. And I, you know, LVE, he has a contract year coming up, but he's had neck injuries and those are brutal. Something he's always struggled with. He broke his collarbone again this year. You know, it hasn't allowed him to get, I think his mechanics are off when he, when he goes down for tackles, he's missed a lot more since his injuries. And so, you know, Parsons entrance, if he pans out like people think he will, I think that's likely the exit of one of those guys. Um, and, you know, I think it's interesting, but as a Cowboys fan, I'm glad they went defense and, you know, this is hopefully going to be a cheap playmaker for the next four years until we got to sign him. Uh, and that could be, that could be huge, you know, because then it gives you the ability to let go of one of those linebackers at number 10 or one of those linebackers and, uh, you know, get rid of that contract. Dallas is already tight in the cap situation. So, you know, that could be huge. Um, but I'm glad they went defense over tackle. And uh, then if we look to the other side of this trade, Philly did this. Uh, I don't think it was the smartest move for them to give out on a third round pick, but I think they kind of did it out of necessity. Um, you know, remember they've lost out on receivers the last two years because of their own doing. They drafted Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson, and then they drafted uh, and over Brandon Ayuk, by the way. And then they drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside the year before that instead of A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf. So they're hoping that Smith could be that guy. The Eagles get up to number 10, and they go get Devonta Smith. Big pickup for them. They swipe it right under the Giants' nose. I think that's who the Giants were going to go after. And then that opens up the trade of the night. Number 11, uh, the Giants <clears throat> basically say, well, Devontae Smith just got swiped up. You know, that's who we wanted. We're going to trade back. And Chicago was more than willing. Uh, they Chicago gives up a first next year, two fourth round picks, plus the number 20 pick in this draft. And uh, man, what a good trade for both sides. If we look at the Giants side, they get all these picks. They're still stockpiling. This gives them options. Um, you know, let's say they're bad and they, they decide Daniel Jones isn't the answer. Now you've got picks. You can trade up in the draft to go get the next quarterback prospect. You can uh, trade back and you can, um, if Daniel Jones does work out, you can trade back and you have more picks. They can package it for a guy that's already in the league. It just opens up options. Having picks opens up options. That's the bottom line. And then they go back to 20 and they still get uh, Kadarius Tony at number 20, which is a speed guy. He's a little undersized. You know, he's similar to Devonta Smith. I think he's definitely a tier below, right? But he's still a fantastic weapon. He's a great prospect. Now they look at that receiving core and they've got Sterling Shepard and they've got Darius Slayton and they've got Kenny Galladay and they've got Tony. Like they have guys, uh, plus Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram, and then Saquon Barkley. Like this is a good offense. Uh, this is a good offense. Daniel Jones, he's got all he needs. This is his year to go prove it. Um, and now the Giants have picks too. So turned out great for them. And then look at the other side. The Bears finally get their guy. Uh, I think they potentially won this draft by drafting Justin Fields. I mean, I don't care what they gave up. Fields is a gamer. He's an athlete. He's a leader. He's tough. I mean, he showed all that in college. He's been neck and neck with Trevor Lawrence since he was 15 years old. I'm, I don't get the disrespect 
that happened throughout this draft. I really don't understand it. Um, you know, Justin Fields, I've said it before. He put up great stats. He was a Heisman runner up. He, uh, he battled at Georgia, then went to Ohio state and, and balled out year one. Uh, I mean, look at the game, like look at the last game that he really played in when he went against Trevor Lawrence, uh, two years in a row, by the way, and potentially outplayed him in both games. They lose the first year. Then he comes back the second year. He breaks ribs and puts up 49 points on Clemson's defense. Like, I don't know what more needs to be said about this guy. I think the bears go get their guy. And, uh, he's, he's the right move for Chicago. I mean, fields is legit. And if Aaron Rodgers really leaves green Bay, which I'm not sold on that by the way, but if he does, uh, this potentially makes Chicago the best team in the division. I think Justin Fields is going to be a splash year one. He could be the 2021 Deshaun Watson, if that makes sense. In 2017, Watson was the champ. He was the big playmaker, really solid player. Like he was like the common sense pick that like, okay, this is the best quarterback in the draft. And instead the bears overthought it and went with a one-year starter in Trubisky. And then, you know, the chiefs controversially drafted Mahomes. Obviously that panned out. They knew what they were doing there. Um, but you know, I think that that's fields to me. I think we're going to look back and, you know, guys like Trey Lance and Zach Wilson, it's going to be like, man, why did we overthink that? Like Justin Fields was sitting right there for us for teams like Denver and Carolina. Like this guy's legit. That's all I got to say. And so I think the bears went out and, uh, you know, you trade your picks, tell you what, two fourth round picks and a first round pick is not going to matter at all. If Justin Fields, uh, does what I think he will. And, you know, now Chicago's got a great defense. They, I think they've got their quarterback locked in and then they've got some receivers and, you know, Chicago's back on the map. That was a big, big move for them. And, uh, the bears, I like the aggression. It'll be interesting to see if Justin Fields starts week one, because they did promise Andy Dalton, not that the promise matters necessarily, but if you don't think Justin Fields is completely ready, you might not want to bring him in yet. Dalton is a serviceable guy. He'll get you in there and, you know, he'll make some plays, put the bears around 500. We'll see what they want to do. Um, That's kind of what the chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. They knew the potential he had, but they let him sit behind Alex Smith for a year. Um, and I could see that happening for uh, for the Bears. So big pickup there. Uh, that was the steal of draft, in my opinion. Both teams won that trade. I mean, they both got great deals for what they needed. So that was the Bears and the Giants. Uh, go to number 15. That's when we get the last big-time quarterback taken. Mac Jones to New England, what he wanted all along, right? That's what he said. Uh, and this is a great pick at 15. I thought the Patriots might have to trade out of their spot. I actually predicted that uh, Jones would be in New England when it's all said and done. I thought they'd have to trade up to Carolina's spot to go get him. Um, but, you know, I this is a great pick for them. He's a system guy. Bill likes that, a guy who can sit back and run the offense. He's not too crazy. You know, he played under Nick Saban, who's the Bill Belichick of college football, right? Um, and I think Jones is probably the guy who won't start in week one. In my opinion, like if any of them weren't to start, it would be Mac Jones. Like Belichick, he's pretty patient. He's fine waiting. Uh, we know now how much he liked, how much he liked Jimmy G, and he let him sit for a while. And um, you know, obviously that was 
behind Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, and not Cam Newton. Uh, but I think I think Mac Jones can wait a year. Uh, they've got Cam signed to another deal. And, um, you know, sitting is, it's more unconventional these days. Like I said, it's not really the go-to you kind of get forgotten about, but I think it's, it's ultimately can be better for development. And, uh, man, if Mac Jones hits the Patriots are back on the map and, uh, you know, now they've got all those weapons for their rookie quarterback. I, I really like it. Um, and you know, the fact that the Patriots, didn't go get fields at Carolina's pick. They didn't go get fields at Denver's pick. They didn't go get fields at the giants pick. They didn't bother trading up. Tells me that they probably liked Mac, uh, at least as much as Justin Fields, right? You figure one of those guys is going to fall to you at 15. So either they were fine with either one falling or they had insight. They knew somebody was going to swipe up fields first and then they get their guy at 15. So Patriots, I mean, that's a, that's a great pick for them. Uh, that's a great pick for them. Patriots haven't drafted a first round quarterback in ages. Um, but we'll see if Mac Jones lives up to it. I think I think he's exactly what Bill Belichick is looking for. And then let's go to number 16 to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um it's funny to me how much of a wild card the Raiders always are. Like they always seem to be looking at something else. Their draft board is always super different from everyone else's. You remember last year they went after uh they went after Henry Ruggs, the speed guy, instead of Jerry Judy, instead of CeeDee Lamb. Uh, that was a big mix-up. And, you know, they, they just always seem to kind of be doing their own thing. Uh, Alex Leatherwood wasn't supposed to go this high at all. I'd seen him mocked in the second or the third round most of the time. But, you know, I mean, the Raiders, they they did need offensive line. That, that wasn't the guy anyone thought it would be. Um, but the Raiders are just a funny organization, man. They just, they just do whatever they want, really. Um, so they address their offensive line need. I guess that was the guy that they wanted. Um, and hopefully it works out for him. So, you know, Raiders get him at, at 16 or 17, sorry. Um, and then another interesting pick was we go to the Steelers at number 24. They go and they get Najee Harris. Um, that's really a perfect fit. Najee Harris, I think he's going to help that run game a lot. He provides the offense with uh, with some aerial weapons, with a ground attack. You know, he's a he's an athlete. He's a pure playmaker. This is a guy that, you, I mean, if you watch the Notre Dame game, there's that run where he pops outside on a stretch play and, you know, kind of flashes the speed, gets to the corner, and then he just jumps over a guy that's standing fully up in the air. He just jumps over him. I don't care if it's college or NFL. That's that's playmaking and that's instinct and that's athleticism that can't be taught. And that's going to carry him through. I mean, the only other guys you see doing that kind of stuff are, you know, the Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley's, Ezekiel Elliott. Like it's those guys that are that are doing that type of crazy stuff. And man, Alabama produced some prospects this year. Um, and the Steelers, they, they got great value for their pick. No more James Connor, no more of those running backs that they've been putting in their running game is horrible. And I think, you know, I don't think this is a permanent fix for Pittsburgh. Their offensive line still isn't great. It's not like they're excellent at quarterback, but this could open it up more. And I think the Steelers are pretty satisfied with what they got there at number 24 in Najee Harris. So, 
Uh, that was that was some of the most notable plays. If if you look back at the end of the first round, um, some of the things I thought we might see that I was a little surprised about is, um, I mean, a Justin Fields sliding, but I've talked about that. I think the the fact that the Saints didn't go for a quarterback, um, I thought there might be a way that they trade up or maybe take a quarterback late. You know, we might we might see guys like Kyle Trask or, or Kellen Mond go later possibly tonight in the second round. Um, but these are guys that, you know, the saints, they need a quarterback. They do. Um, and so I could see them going after one here, but they went for a defensive end and, um, you know, then the Ravens, they go get their number one receiver, Rashad Bateman. Uh, they got Jason away at number 31 chiefs obviously didn't have a first round pick. So, I mean, there was, there were some good trades last night. There was a lot of people moving around, a lot of surprises. Uh, the cornerbacks went early. The receivers went early. Quarterbacks uh, were kind of spread through. People were making their moves for that. And, uh, man, it was a good draft night. I think there's a, there's a lot to like. And if we, we go into round two tonight, uh, there's going to be more action for sure. I think some of the guys that we saw slip, uh, we had Elijah Moore the Ole Miss receiver. I think he's going to be a playmaker. I was surprised he didn't get picked up in the first round. I thought we'd see him go either to Tennessee, uh, Baltimore, Indianapolis, Um, you know, maybe Baltimore a second time, double dip at receiver. They decided against that. Also Trevon Morig. So he's the TCU safety had potential to go round one, uh, whether it was to new Orleans or green Bay or, um, or Tampa Bay. They decided not to do that. I really think this is more Cowboys talk here. I really think that Dallas should package some of those third round picks and go trade up for Trevon Morg. They need a safety. Uh, they that's been their, their issue. They've got some young guys, the more guys that you can get in there, the more defensive players that you can draft, you know, it, there's a chance that they hit and that's what Dallas needs. They just need fresh blood in there. They need new guys coming in and, uh, you know, guys that are potentially playmakers. So I think this guy from TCU could be, could be great. I don't know how early he's going to go in the second round. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see, but I think if he's on the board and Dallas thinks that they can go get him, why not, you know, package a third and a fourth or a third and a fifth. I mean, the Cowboys have 11 draft picks this year. So there's guys that they can go up and they can get um, that I think would be really beneficial for them. And then finally, one other guy that I think we should watch out for is uh, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. He was a tackle, was going as early as 20 in some mock drafts, obviously got passed up on. He could be an early pick in the second round, either from Jacksonville or, uh, you know, the Jets possibly. I think if he's still on the board when Dallas picks and, and that safety's gone, they might go for another tackle, just given that Tyron Smith is on his way out and we've had some injuries. So... There's definitely stuff to watch out for on night two. I think we're going to see some more of those quarterbacks go. We're going to see the remaining receivers go. And, uh, you know, there's still a lot of playmakers in round two. So big night. Uh, It'll continue tonight on ESPN and NFL Network. But that is all the draft talk for today. Thank you guys for joining me as I reacted to the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, This is going to be the last show that I do during the school year. Uh, It'll be more of an irregular schedule throughout the summer. I think we might go every other Friday or once a month, whatever it is. Uh, 
those updates will be posted on the Instagram page. But thank you guys for listening. And I will be back with you in a few weeks with more NFL news. Thank you guys for listening to the Frank Take.